Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's, this weekend's edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Can't believe it's already the 16th here. But you know what? We're going to make the best of it. We're going to make the best of it because we have not one, not two, but three fabulously talented guests for this week's uh, show. We have a guest, another contestant from The Voice. We have a, a business mogul who uh, divides his time between here in Vegas and over in Los Angeles. He has a brand new book. He will be sharing information about his book and a musical uh, review that he is the creator and producer of that's running currently at the Virgin Hotel here uh, in Vegas. And we have a, an author who has, this is her first book, and it is all about Grey's Anatomy. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah, you can go ahead and thank me for that one, too. Okay. So they're all waiting uh, for us to uh, bring them on board so we can start talking to them. And if you know anyone who's a Grey's Anatomy fan, you may want to call them up right now. So before we get to our three guests, we're going to first have some auditions. So what? Yeah, 30 seconds. We'll be right back with more Film Festival Radio when we have our audition segment acting up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Up news about auditions and tryouts that could make you a star. Okay, we are back, and it is time for auditions. Who's ready for some auditions? Well, I know I certainly am. So let's jump right in here. Uh, Okay, we all love Steve Harvey. Yes, I especially love him on Family Feud. Well, guess what? Steve Harvey has a new show that's coming out next year. You may have seen some promos about it. It's called Judge Steve Harvey. Yes, Steve Harvey is going to be in the judge robe and chambers and such. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. But they are looking for people. They're looking for people nationwide. Yeah. So this is the premise of the show. If you have a dispute that needs to be settled with maybe your roommate, your friend, a sibling, a neighbor, maybe a coworker, just anyone. It's a, you know, like a kind of friendly dispute. Nothing, you know, crazy and wild and scary. So if you have a kind of friendly dispute with someone that needs to be settled, Judge Steve Harvey, the future show, coming real soon, they're looking for you. They are casting nationwide for people who are kind of humorous and 
passionate and, you know, just kind of have a heart, you know, look good, sound good, got a great personality, especially on camera, and you're ready to plead your case about this dispute. Now, they're looking for people, again, nationwide, you must be at least 18 years of age or older. You need to be a legal U.S. resident, and you must be available to film October, the rest of this month, and next month, November. So we're like midways, of course, through October. So you've got to be available available if you are selected to film uh, the rest of this month and next month. Now, the rest of the requirements are at this website, Judge Steve Harvey casting.com and they are looking for people ASAP so the minute you know while before our show even leaves the air go and apply go see if this is something that you want to do and if you are available the rest of this month over into November the website again is judge Steve Harvey casting.com and if you are selected you know it's going to be a lot of fun because Steve Harvey is hosting it it's got to be a lot of fun so, again, ASAP. Do this ASAP, please. Okay, another show that they're auditioning for nationwide. This is from the people at Spoke Studios, which is the in-house production arm of Wheelhouse Entertainment. And like, who is Wheelhouse Entertainment? Well, it is run by Jimmy Kimmel. How about that? Well, they are currently casting for a brand-new TV reality series that's in development as we speak and I chew gum. They are looking for people, couples nationwide, who are, as they say, the you know, kind of the odd couple. You know, not like one's messy and one's neat. You know, not that. This is what they're looking for. Couples who have differences. You know, you have a unique love story and you two are in love. But if people were to look at you, they go, what? Why? How did they get together? What does he see on her or she see on him or whatever? Yeah, if if you are a couple and people often ask the question, why are these two together? Is there significant age differences, background differences? Maybe you just look differently. You know, maybe you're four foot eleven and your your significant other is six foot eight. You know, or something like that. Or maybe you just have two opposite. Polar opposite personalities. Yeah, you're just totally odd, opposite of each other. But yet, love has brought you two together. So if this sounds like you, you might want to consider doing an audition for this new reality show. This is what you need to do. You need to go submit an application ASAP. Go to this website, outofmyleague.com. Dot castingcrane.com. That's it. Out of my league. Dot castingcrane.com. Uh, follow the instructions and all the requirements are right there and try out for it. You can just show the rest of the world why if you two are the so-called opposites, odd couple, but why it's working for you. Share it with the world on a national television show if you are selected. Okay, you got it? You got it. Okay, and any time that you don't have a pen and paper, you can always email us, info at filmfestivalradio.com, and we'll be more than happy to send you that information of whatever audition or maybe all of the auditions. Good luck, you guys, and uh, we'll be right back with our next guest. Take care. All right, 30 seconds. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Okay, we are back with more of the show here for this weekend. And uh just wanted to say this about our guest here. If you are a fan of the hit ABC show, Grey's Anatomy, maybe you have friends or family who are also fans of the show, listen up. This is the book for you. Because my guest, who is coming up in about 25 seconds, uh, her name is Lynette Rice, and this is a book. That's her first book. His title, How to Save a Life, The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. Yes, yes. It's a tell-all, read-all, behind-the-scenes look at one of television's most successful shows. Now, Lynette will tell you she has been an entertainment industry reporter for about 25 years. She currently is the editor-at-large at Entertainment Weekly Magazine, which is one of our many favorite uh, trade insider publications there. But this book is her first, as I said, this is her first book. And my goodness, did she ever select a doozy of a, a show to write about? Again, the book is called How to Save a Life, The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. And it's, uh, it's unauthorized, but 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 it's very, very well uh, researched, uh, it's, a, it's a very enthusiastic book about everything about Grey's Anatomy. It, it starts, you know, looking at the, the really humble beginnings of the show, it, uh, behind the scenes dramas, uh, revelations about some of your favorite scenes, um, the controversial character departures of some of our favorite characters, why they left, how they left, just kind of recalls that. And uh, also information about certain episodes that were based on real-life storylines. Yeah, that's right. So as we know, this show began uh, the new season last month. I think that's 17 seasons now for the show. Still racking up those big old numbers. Eight million-plus weekly viewers after 17 seasons, so uh, yeah, I think Grey's Anatomy is kind of a hit, don't you think? But anyway, uh, yes, Lynette is on board here, and again, the title of her book is How to Save a Life, the Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy, and okay, she's here. All right, let's switch over to her line, and let's get the show on the road with our chat with uh, Miss Lynette Rice about her new book, which I know is going to be a hit. How could it not be a hit? I mean, the show is a hit. How could it not? So let's bring on Lynette Rice right now. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I tell you, it is such a pleasure to chat with you. Your book uh, is just amazing. <laughs> the Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. Wow. We've all been waiting for this one. Oh, thank you so much. Well, uh, I'll just jump right in here. Um, it's hard to believe that this show has been on. How many seasons is it now, officially? Oh, my God, they're about to start in a week, the 18th season. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. Now, have you... Crazy. It is really crazy. Now, of course, we know that you are a very well-established entertainment industry reporter for Entertainment Weekly and so many other accolades. So have you covered the show or been a fan of the show from season one, or did you come on board later as a fan? I covered it from season one. 
covered the show uh, on and off for many years while I've been at EW. I've been at EW for 20 years, but I'm also what I like to call an originalist. I was there from the very beginning. I was one of the millions of women who discovered the show and fell in love with McDreamy. What can I say? Okay. I was I was one of those gals. <laughs> and so was I. I mean, if, if, there, if, you're a, if you're a woman and you didn't fall in love with McDreamy, then I don't know if I trust you. I just don't. Right, right, right. Well, now, what do you think, what is it about this show that has lasted and has still has such enduring qualities about it? Well, it's funny because medical shows are a staple of television, just like cop shows from Dick Wolf. They'll always be there. They'll be there long after we die. Uh, the difference with this medical show is that uh, it, it went into the randy lives of these young, beautiful interns who end up hooking up with each other because who else are they going to hook up with? They're at work all the time. And it had a serialized nature to that. So while fans could definitely enjoy the the cool you know medical procedure of the week in the operating room, they could still get invested in who's going to hook up with whom, who's going to break whose hearts on the show. That serialized nature is really what kept the women coming back. Was this show originally was this a hard sell for Shonda Rhimes or what? Well, when the the show was originally developed, ABC already had Desperate Housewives and lost two big behemoth shows. So expectations were low on Grey's Anatomy, also because Shonda was an untested talent. She was a a USC film grad. grad. She had some credits. like Princess Diaries 2, but she hadn't created a TV show before. So what usually happens in cases like this, you know, television will bring in experienced exec producers, i.e. men, to be there to help her out. They brought in Peter Horton, a former actor on 30-something who became like a producer-director. I mean, a man by the name of Jim Perriott, who was kind of like a non-writing exec producer who kept the train on the tracks. But what was brilliant about Shonda is that she commanded respect in that writer's room from day one. She had a very specific idea of what she wanted of the show, and nothing, no one could change her mind. And, oh, my goodness, what a legacy she has now established uh, all over television. Even without the other hits, just Grey's Anatomy itself is just enough, you know, by itself. Well, now, tell me, why is it that Ellen Pompeo deserves to be the highest-paid woman in television? If you think back, if you're if you're like a student of television, there are many cases, many cases of male actors who left a TV show early because they thought they were going to go on to be a big film star, and and you know they didn't live to tell about it very well. I mean, they they didn't succeed. Ellen, you know, first of all, the show is based on her character. There is no show without Meredith Grey. It's Grey's Anatomy, uh, uh, but at the same time, you know. Ellen had to contend with the fact that as the star, there was so much scrutiny of of her. I remember in the early years, uh, you know, Ellen is already a slight woman, and I remember she looked particularly small on the show. So all of a sudden there were all these headlines about, is she setting a good example for all the young women who watch the show? I mean, 
a woman to have to deal with, that they weren't even paying attention to her work. They were paying attention to her body. I mean, it was so sexist at the moment. And But she's also really embraced the fact that she's aged in front of her audience, and that's made her even more relatable to the fans. She knows the power that she wields as n- being number one on the call sheet. She will decide whether the show goes yet another season. ABC would love it to go forever. But, um, you know, she, she she decides. And that decision impacts hundreds of people. The show uh, employs hundreds of people. She also wisely knows that once Grey's Anatomy is over, her career won't be necessarily the same. It won't matter because she'll be as rich as God. But, you know, she she knows to ride this to the sunset. So for that, she's been very smart. Very smart. I mean, yeah, richer than God, richer than all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Money that we can't can't even ever imagine. We cannot. Richer than Fort Knox, all all of it. All of it. (laughs) Well, now, when you were putting the book, the book together, did you interview any of the cast members or Shonda or or, or what? So uh, when the book first came out, uh, it's it kind of a funny story in that um, when I was writing the proposal, uh, uh, my fear was that it was very recappy because everything that I put into that proposal, I felt like, you know, people had heard before, so I threw in a bunch of, like, rumors that had been swirling about the show because the show is just is always surrounded by rumors and as i was writing it i actually you know said to my agent i said you know will this proposal leak he said oh no no that never happens in publishing well sure enough it did leak it did leak to shondaland it did leak to abc and their immediate fear was that this was going to be some sort of a tell-all um um and shonda immediately made it clear that she didn't want to participate, you know, thus the the description, unauthorized uh, biography. I was okay with that because I had interviewed her many times, and one of the things that I make clear in the book, she's kind of a tough nut to crack for the longest time. I always felt like, okay, maybe she doesn't like me. She's also very shy. She, it took her a while to even figure out the art of the tease on how to tease her show. She, and I, Sometimes I feel like all reporters, we didn't feel like she just wanted to do press. I don't think she felt like, why do, I, why do they want me to give away what's happening on the show? Um, so the, the fun part about this book was casting a wider net and talking about pe- talking to people on the show who especially no longer have a dog in the fight they're not on the show they're they're, they're not employed um, by Shonda Land and and these are also unsung heroes that never really got their day in the sun and who have stories to tell um, there's no you know no one like uh, it, it, there's not like you know access to grind for people they just you know, remember things differently than what we always reported. They really gave give an idea of what life was like behind the scenes on this behemoth hit. Okay. And finally, will fans ever, ever get over the death of Dr. McDreamy? Ever? One of my favorite quotes in the book was from a writer on the show. His name is Tony Phelan, and he was talking about how whenever they would do a scene between Meredith and McDreamy, Derek, Patrick Dempsey, the camera would go back and forth. But in this one particular scene, Shonda wanted to keep the camera on 
Patrick Dempsey. And Tony's like, why do you want to do that? And, and Shonda said, I want that woman in Iowa to feel like McDreamy is talking specifically to her so she can, she can fantasize this is her dream man. Oh. So because of that, because of what she created, we all fell in love with him along with Meredith. He became our fantasy man that, you know, no one could live up to, not even our husbands. And so because of that, we don't want to believe that there's anything wrong with this Patrick Dempsey, the actor. We want to believe that Patrick Dempsey is McDreamy, vice versa, like all the same person. We don't want to believe that maybe he got tired of being on the show. So, no, and, and to answer your question, no, we'll never get over it. Well, we we can always dream about him in, in the syndications, so. Yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's such a cool show. Yes. I'm going to be so so hurt once it ends. I know the fun can't go on forever. Or maybe it can. Saturday Night Live is still on, so who knows? We'll see. Right. But anyway, right. The, the book, again, is How to Save a Life, the Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Lynette. You have made a lot of fans very happy uh, with your new book. So thank you for writing it. We really appreciate this one. Oh, thanks so much. I hope folks like it. Oh, yeah. I've already, believe me, I have like three fans who already have the book, and they love it. Trust me. We love it. We love oh, it. <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> okay. Well, we will see you uh, on the pages, of course, of Entertainment Weekly and maybe your next book. Do you know a new book next year or Something from you? I got something in mind. Still got to sell it. I hope it works out. But, yeah, spoiler alert, it has to do with another TV show. Oh, I hope it's SVU. I hope it's Law and Order SVU. I just hope it is. That's all I'll say to that. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, anyway, you have a great weekend. And uh, we will, as I said, see you on the pages of Entertainment Weekly. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're in the home stretch of the hard time. Took a hard Okay, that is the very beautiful voice of our next guest. She is one of the contestants who is still vying and competing on NBC's hit show, The Voice. And we're talking about singer Katie Ray, and she is on Team Ariana Grande. And uh, this uh, particular song was uh, during the blind auditions uh, where she was singing Marin Morris's hit song, The Bones, which grabbed the attention of the judges and landed her with Ariana. So let's, um, we're going to, we're waiting for her to call in, but I can just quickly tell you that Katie is from the Northern California area and she's been singing and into music most of her life because her dad uh, was also a performer and she would often sing uh, little venues like coffee shops and different places with her dad and her brother. She was uh, very involved in the school choir and uh, just you know, just kind of t- taken that route kind of from the family to local uh, venues around in her area there. But in uh, 2015, 
she decided to take a break. She was uh, gigging with her own band. She was a lead singer. And she decided to take a sabbatical. So I'm going to leave the story right there and bring her on because I understand the light. Is that her or is that somebody? No, that is her. Katie Ray is on board. We have her. And we are going to find out more about her journey as to how she landed on the voice. So let's do so and bring her on right now. Um, why aren't we? Okay, there she is. There she is. Okay. Uh, Katie Ray, here we go. Hello, it's Janice. Hi, Janice. This is Hannah from NPRM. Hi, Hannah. I'm ready to talk with Katie. Awesome. She's on the other line. Let me just patch her in real quick. Okay, sure. No problem. Katie, can you hear me? I can. Okay. We are all here and accounted for. Good afternoon, Miss Katie. How is your day so far? Oh, it is going great. (laughs) Well, of course, we've seen the whole world has seen you uh, during those brutal knockout rounds on uh, The Voice. Right. What is it like for you to actually see the finished product, the edited product, and uh, see it at home? Wow. It honestly is um, a little bit surreal seeing myself on television. You know, I know I went through all the process, but, um, you know, that we were we were so busy and just focused on, on singing songs and, you know, being present in the moment. And so it's just really, really nice to see how they um, how they put it all together, and um, I'm just very happy with it. I mean, <laughs> it was a, it was a fun fun song to sing, and I um, was excited that Bella got stolen. You know, all of it was just uh, just amazing. <laughs> oh, I love I, excuse me, I love the steals when the judges do that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. That what was what was that experience like for you? Oh, man, I was so happy because, honestly, we spent some – Bella and I spent so much time together um, just working on the song and trying to get it um, down, and we we became really close friends. And so, honestly, I had an after interview. They were trying to ask me how I was feeling, and I couldn't even concentrate because I was like, please steal her, please steal her, you know, (laughs) or save her, whatever it was. I wanted her to stay so bad. She's so talented and just a a really kind person and just fun. And so, um, you know, I – I was so happy that she got to stay. Yeah. You know, it was kind of best-case scenario for both of us. So, Yeah, I think everybody was cheering for both of you, definitely so. <laughs> well, now, you, you. you sang um, No More Tears, Enough is Enough, of course, by Barbara Streisand, Donna Summer. Um, was that the first time with you singing that song publicly, or had you ever tackled it before, or what? I had never tackled it before. I mean, obviously, I've heard the song, mm-hmm. um, but it's never—it's never been something that I would have um, tried myself. You know, I'm—I gravitate toward R&B, soul, blues kind of stuff. Um, but like I've—I said in one of my other interviews, um, you know, the voice is—is is about challenging yourself and trying different things. You know, and trying to. Um, you know, get your your put your own spin on a song and showing that you can do that and that you can you can be creative and um, and make it work for yourself. And so it's been really fun just being able to kind of uh, do that. You know, and figure out how to put my own Katie Ray spin on it. You know. Well, you are making it work obviously because you are on the stage <laughs> of the voice. <laughs> That's always Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I understand, uh, Katie, that you took a sabbatical from all of music. Uh, for mm-hmm. how long were you away from it, and then you what what made you decide to go back? Well, if I'm going to be honest, I mean, so I've sang my my entire life. Um, just you know, it's been a part of my life because my dad sings, my brother sings, my dad plays the guitar. Um, it's just been around. So it's not that I haven't sang. It's not that it wasn't like you know a part of my life constantly. But um, I I kind of grew up playing soccer. I wasn't super involved in music. Um, and so I, as I got older, um, you know, I, I started kind of realizing that, you know, you can't do soccer for the rest of your life. Not everybody gets to do that. Right. But you can, you can still play music. And, um, as I, as I got older, I got a little bit less, um, I got, I guess a little bit less um, shy with regards to singing. I got to know myself a little bit better. And, um, my brother-in-law asked me to, to join a band. And so, um, he was like, you got to do something with it, Katie. And so I finally just kind of, uh, he pushed me a little bit and I got out of my comfort zone and that's when I started, but it was in my late thirties, you know? So I, I got married very young and kind of just really focused on that and getting our life started together. And so, you know, in my thirties, I started doing this and wasn't really expecting anything to come of it, but I, then I had my, my son and like you saw probably on the blind audition, you know, I had about a little battle with, um, you know, postpartum depression. And what really got me out of it was music. And I kind of like just pushed myself to do something that I would never have done in the past, which was trout for the voice. And, uh, you know, now here I am. <laughs> and there you are. I just think that you're yeah. such a great role model for singers who, you know, who are, are past 25. You could still got the talent mm-hmm. and, and you're a mom, uh, a wife and such. So I think you're an excellent example uh, for people out here who are saying, well, I don't Thank know. Thank you. Uh, yeah, but I mean, here, here you are. So, so, so now for for your audition, you just uh, you just did like a, a Zoom video audition and emailed it in, or is that how it how you got there? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's kind of like a Zoom type of thing. Uh, you log in and you record your audition, and um, I actually, you know, I had auditioned a few times before um and each time i made it a little bit further and then this then the pandemic kind of made it a little bit easier if i'm going to be honest because i didn't have to travel i could just try i'm here in the comfort of my own home and in some ways that made it a little bit easier and i sent it in i feel like maybe that is what kind of got me past my my nerves and all that i was super comfortable in my in my space and yeah it it worked out (laughs) and uh i kept I kept having more and more interviews, so here we go. Here I am. <laughs> it's definitely worked out. Well, before right. I let you go, I always like to ask the voice contestants, uh, how have they kept all of this a secret from family and friends that you are one of the competitors? Or how, wh- what's your story? How did you kept it a secret? Um, well, you know, there's a there's a there's a few family members that knew because they had to sign their own um, NDA, you know, their own, you know disclosure agreements because they have pictures and they're, you know, they were, my family members were like a part of my, um, my blind audition zoom, you know, so at least some people got to, to, to know, I didn't, didn't get to say what I was doing, but they knew why I was gone at least. Um, but honestly, I just kind of kept it, kept it to myself. I didn't post a whole lot on social media. I didn't like tell people that I was gone. You know, my neighbors started to notice that I was gone. Um, 
like, where's, where's she at? But, you know, <laughs> I don't think uh, it got to – nobody asked any questions, really. So, you know, at least it was just my, my close-knit family that knew, and I didn't really have to keep, um, you know, it too crazy of a secret. Uh-huh. And they were helping with my son, so they had to, they had to know a little bit, right? You know, I, I needed help from family and friends. Um, so, yeah, I, I kept the secret from um, everybody else, but at least I had a few tight-knit people. Okay. Well, now, is your son old enough to to recognize seeing you on television? He is. He's three and a half. Does he love watching it? No. Like, we had a watch party. We had a watch party, and there's like, so many people there. He just was excited and was, like, sprinting around and, like, you know, just doing the things a three-year-old do. But I, I, you know, he, when people, like, we were at a family gathering and people showed my blind audition and he ran up to the TV and was just staring at it, <laughs> things like that, you know. He he likes it, but it's not quite, like, um, registering all the way, you know. Uh-huh. Well, the main thing is he knows that's mommy. <laughs> that's the main thing. It is, yes. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, he's going to see this later on in life, and that's, you know, it's really cool, and, you know, I'm doing this for him and my family, so, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It is so. That's what it's all about. And finally, mm-hmm. um, okay, Any? can you divulge any tidbits or little information that your coach has, has shared with uh, the team about performing, being on stage? Oh no, I can't. I can't necessarily say that. But you did see what on on the on the battles. Just some of the the little like the little like hand gestures or little tiny things that she has come to. She's been doing this for so long. She knows just how to make the performance um, that much better, right? Like we we had the vocals down and we had an idea of what we wanted, but she just came in and put some just little finishing touches on it that just made the I think the. Uh, the performance that much better, you know. Uh-huh. I'm going to try to squeeze one final question. I know I'm going to land this plane. I'm going to land it. I got the landing gear out. Don't worry. I got time. I'm here today. Okay. Okay. So um, now that, you know, you're actually on the show, you're no longer watching it in the comforts of your own home, is performing uh-huh. on the stages of The Voice, is it a lot more challenging than it looks or is it – not as challenging as you thought it would be, or just where? What is it for you? What is it like? Um, for me personally, mm-hmm. it's it it's challenging in certain ways, right? But um, it's not as challenging as I expected it to be. Um, just because I, mean, I think that I think the audience helps, just like the live audience having a bunch of people there. Um, that really helps because it it just makes you feel like you're in a crowd, and like for me, it, it's a little bit harder when it's super intimate like I get a little bit more nervous when there's like a very small space where everybody can see my face and I can see theirs and and whatnot so that's kind of it's been interesting to me how um how I've been not nearly as nervous as I was expecting myself to be oh well that's very good to know that is not yeah because <laughs> that's a lot I mean you're performing in front of these superstar judges you've got a live audience mm-hmm. there and you've got television cameras that's a lot of audience mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, I try to I try to block a lot. I try to block certain things out and just be present in the moment, you know, and focus on my voice and like what I'm really doing this for. Because you know, I could let I think I think it was during my blinds I told myself, you know, I could let my nerves get the best of me, or I can just do what I came to do. I mean, I left my family for how long, and you know, 
don't let the nerves get to you. Just think of your family and why you did this and, uh, and then just, you know, go for it. So I feel being away from my family probably helped propel me in like to be a little bit less nervous as well, because, you know, what's the point if I didn't like, you know, come out and just, you know, kill it. So you killed it. You killed it, stabbed it, <laughs> shot it, buried it. You did it. <laughs> you thank you so much. You did a great job, Miss Katie. Well, thank you so thank much you. for chatting and sharing some backstory about your journey to, you know, America's favorite television talent show, The Voice. So thank you for yeah. chatting with me. Thank you for, you know, just talking to me and giving me the time. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we will just continue to cheer you on. And I I really mean that when I said I think you're a great role model for uh, the singers Thank and you. performers out here that are, you know, not 22 anymore. And you look great. Right, exactly. You look good and Thank you sound you so good. I really, I really, really appreciate that because, you know what, like not we're all, just because I'm, I'm older doesn't mean I, I can't still do uh, the That's things right. that I love, right? That's right. And you're proving it. You look good yeah. and you sound yeah. good. That's a good package. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, Miss Katie, well, we'll see you on the next episode. Right, have a good one. Okay, take right, care. Sounds good. Okay, Thank bye-bye. You. Our celebrity train of guests just keeps rolling along here. Uh, that brings me to our final guest for this show. And this is, oh, I love, I love the work and the projects that this guest has. His name is Rami El-Batrawi, and he has the very envious life of living not only in Las Vegas, but he also is uh, lives in L.A. as well. And he's a producer, entrepreneur, and a philanthropist, and he has an unbelievable story of losing his entire fortune, not once, not twice, not even three times. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. And he's chronicled and detailed all of it in his brand new book, which uh, we are just very excited, as I said, to talk to him about. The title of the book is, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich. And of course, he was inspired by the uh, classic book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. That When did that book come out? In the 80s, 70s? I can't remember. But it's, you know, it's a worldwide bestseller. So again, um, Rami's book is Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? So it was the principles and teachings of the Think and Grow Rich original book that really inspired him to not only do his current book, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? But that helped him regain his fortune back each time. But this time is different because uh, it's here to stay. Now, not only is Rami a very talented producer and entrepreneur, but right now, and I must admit, I have not, I haven't even had the chance to go see the beautiful new uh, Virgin Hotel here in Vegas. But Rami has a new 
Las Vegas show there at the hotel, the Virgin Hotel, is called the 27 Show. I'm sure a lot of you who are listening out here, especially the locals, you probably have seen it. And it is a very unique show. I've seen some previews of it. And the show, as I said, Rami is the creator and the producer, and it is a musical review, and it is in residence, again, at the Virgin Hotel here in Vegas. Now, this is a musical uh, adventure that honors the music of icons that just really left this earth just far too soon. The music of Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Robert Johnson, Jim Morrison, and Amy Winehouse. Music is all there. Very talented singers that are coming forth with their vocal talents and musicianship and just putting on a fantastic, fantastic show. So, um, as I said, Rami is the creator and producer of this show. Again, it is running at the Virgin Hotel right here in Las Vegas, and the title of it, again, is The 27 Show. So let's bring Rami on to tell us more about the making of The 27 Show and also um, talk about his book, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? I am, for people who really know me, uh, I am a huge, huge uh, fan I would say fan, a believer in uh, not only, excuse me, not only the principles uh, of the Bible, but also in a lot of the principles that are by, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, Think and Grow Rich, and Neville Goddard, just so many, so many of the uh, men and women who are so talented and skilled with uh, these types of principles. So I cannot wait to talk to Rami uh, about his book. And let me just be quiet and bring him on because, again, our green light is blinking to let us know our guest is on board. So let's bring him on uh, right now. I think we can get that done. Yeah, I don't know why we're having some little technical, little silly stuff going on here, but Okay, there he is right now. So let's bring on Rami right now. Hello, it's Janice. Hi, Janice. How are you? This is Rami. Good morning, Rami. So nice to chat with you. Same here. Well, let's just jump right in here. Uh, You have a brand new book, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich?, and then you have a, a new show, which we'll get to that in, in a second here. So um, obviously the original Think and Grow Rich was a big influence on your doing this book. Um, how long ago was it? Do you recall when you first read the original Think and Grow Rich? Yeah, I read that book when I was uh, 12 years old. And uh, I don't know, it kind of resonated with me. So I read it like 20 times. And then it just kind of like motivated me to just go ahead and start. And, and I actually left home at 12 because of it. And uh, and I was homeless for the next five years, made the first uh, million at 17, went broke a few times, came back to about 50 million at about 23, went broke again, but uh, came back to about a, a billion by the time I was 32, lost it again, came back again. So it was, it's a book that shows how I use all its principles and all the additional principles I've learned also along the way and uh, that it does really work no matter what the alibi is because I had every alibi that anybody can have and I still made all those principles work. That's a lot of lost everything and came back. So about three, four times that you lost everything and came back each time? 
Yeah, maybe even a little bit more. I mean, we have little battles and stuff. And, and what's great about the book is that I don't only focus about money, but it's like I had a battle with the government for seven years, and I never stopped or gave up and won that. So, you know, it's, it's not true love. It's almost all those principles are used for for almost uh, almost anything you want to do in life, and just the way you think. And um, and uh, and I know I. I I sent a copy of the book when I finished it to the Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, who has the Think and Grow Rich, and he was totally blown away. He never seen anybody use the principles as well as I have, and and he gave me all the rights and the uh, for, for, to use the name and the quotes and everything. There was no royalty at all because he really wanted to get out there because he really knows it's going to help a lot of people. That's odd. that was very very generous of them to do that. Uh, I think your book is, is very timely in that, of course, what our, the whole world is going through economically, financially, but also uh, age group. Um, a lot of, uh, as we all know, a lot of the, I don't know what letter is the right letter. Is it Z, X, W, whatever? Yeah, right. um, yeah Z, 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 Millennium, and the yeah. new Alpha group now. Oh, the new Alpha group. See, I just, just learned something here. So, uh, without giving away, of course, too much, but what, what do you think are a couple of principles in your book, thinking, uh, can you really think it grow rich, that will really relate to that age group? I think uh, uh, that age group and stuff is, is bombarded with social media and a lot of things that are, uh, you know, that kind of limits the way they think, and they, or there should be a certain way. And what that book does is kind of opens up their eyes that basically anything that uh, they kind of desire or want or they can achieve and it does take some commitment it takes a burning desire it takes some hard work it takes a lot of stuff so it hopefully proves that that you know if you apply all those principles and also ignore what the world has to say around you that you can really you know step out of uh, of the ordinary life that you they have now or they feel hopeless or limited or or I mean go beyond because there's definitely a I mean, through the industrial age and many other ages, there were great leaders, and they all came because they they really believed what they did, and they worked hard, and they uh, had to suffer a little and uh, and grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of our new generation hasn't gone through a period of real suffering. I mean, I wouldn't count COVID as suffering for them to kind of like wake up and grow and try to learn. And that's what I hope I bring in the book that uh, I open up their eyes that there, there's a lot more and uh, and it's it's not only a just one time you know I just made it this was one thing but I, I had a hundred different companies and I went through every possible thing anybody could, could go through and still succeeded so it shows that nobody has any alibis I mean you could read a section of the book where I, I even died for 20 minutes and I was in the streets again and and I still came back. My goodness, I'm just. You know, to lose that amount of money, I get bummed out if I lose a dollar. I just go, oh, my God, I can't find my dollar. So for you to continue to come back, um, what do you think the the current success that you're now enjoying, um, what do you think has made the difference that you're, you're, I mean, of course, you're a little older now and more experienced, but other than that, what do you think is the secret as to your current success? 
Well, the period of time uh, when you read the book, that's why I like taking people on my journey, that when I was battling the government uh, in 2001 to about 2008, uh, doctors put me in antidepressants that kind of numbed the way I was thinking, so I wasn't myself. And and then uh, when I finally, in 2015, after 15 years of medication, decided to go cold turkey and get off of it, uh, you know, it was a hard three months, but when I came back, it, I was back to thinking the way I was. So, so my mind opened up to all the possibilities again uh, of what there is to do, and and literally it was 2015, 2021. I was able to rebuild everything I lost in more than six years to where, you know, I still, you know, I bought back my jet, my home, my everything else, and I have four businesses that are extremely successful. That is a talk about the great American success story. That's it. Wow. Uh, okay, so let's talk about your new Las Vegas show that is at the Virgin Hotel here in Vegas, the 27 show. Tell us all about that. 27 is a really great show. It's a, it's a concept that I had about 10, 15 years ago, and I always wanted to do it. And 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 one day I was at Viper Room here in L.A., and I saw the guy who did Kurt Cobain. And 27 is basically everybody died at age 27, from Robert Johnson to Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, uh, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. So I put together a really solid rock and roll show with the best vocal coach, uh, Roger Love, who taught Walking Phoenix how to sing, and 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 the guy from Star is Born, and including Gomez's coach. So he trained every one of these singers to sing exactly like uh, who they represent. So when you go there, it's like you're going back in time. And really, there's no like music over or voiceover. These people are really singing. So you, when you get there, you actually dance, and it's a, it's a great, great rock show. And we, uh, there's not a night we don't get standing ovation at the end of the show. It is really, to me, I think the best show I've ever seen. I know we've been nominated in three categories in Vegas about how great the show is, best new show, and a couple other categories. So, so I think it's a show that everybody should see because they, they they get to not only remember the time of the music that they really enjoyed, but they appreciate it. Out of that age, a little bit younger, or they're older than an Oak or Cobain or anyone, they start appreciating how great the music is from every one of those artists. Well, this is just good to hear that a, a real live show with real live singing and not relying on auto tune. This, that's for me, that's a welcome right there. Yeah, yeah. No, we want a real concert. I mean, you you will stand up and dance. There's just no way that people don't enjoy this. They all leave. This people have come back ten, twenty times to see the show over and over again. That's how great the show is. I would love to see it. I I have yet to go uh, see the Virgin Hotel, so that'll be a two for one treat for me. Yeah, you should. It's, uh, you, you'll enjoy the show immensely. And so, it's currently running right now. Is there a cutoff date, or just going to continue to run for the rest of this year? Uh, yeah, right, right now we have a contract till the end of the year, and probably get extended uh, further. But uh, yeah, definitely till the end of this year. Now, how hands-on were you and putting this? I know you said it was a concept idea you had several years ago, but how hands-on were you in putting it together? Well, at the beginning, I, you know, I helped hire all the people. I kind of arranged what music was going was going to play. I worked on the narratives in between and the flow of it. So once it was laid out uh, perfectly with the lights and the sound and everything else, then I have now Eric Himmel, who's our musical director, that just takes over and, and he just executes on what to, we both worked on and what I what I put in that I had in, in my vision of what this show should be. 
So, so I was very hands-on, and I went to the show for the first uh, two months, almost every single show. So, so now it's kind of an autopilot. And we're actually, uh, because all these musicians started in Haight-Ashbury, uh, in San Francisco, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, I actually bought a place on Haight-Ashbury. So we'll open up uh, first of next year also in San Francisco because uh, I think it's a great place and people really do enjoy that music there and it's, it just fits really well. Oh, what a cool idea to be right there in, in the area of Haight-Ashbury there. That's going to be fun. Lots of fun. Now, um, I know personally, I come from the Amy Winehouse generation. I was a huge fan of hers. So uh, these other uh, artists, were, when you were growing up, were you big fans of theirs or, or what? Yeah, I was always a big fan of the music. I kind of missed because I was born in 61, so I still missed a lot of them. I was really young when they all passed away. Uh, and I was really busy. I didn't appreciate Kurt Cobain until I heard them. Uh, so... So I always love the music, and, and there's nothing, you know, great music is always great music. And once you really hear it, then I really got to really enjoy what, uh, what, why, I could see why they became superstars and the talent that they had. So it's, it's, uh, it opened my eyes, and, uh, and I really do enjoy that music a lot. Now, are there any uh, plans? I, I know you divide your time uh, between Las Vegas and Los Angeles. Uh, so are there any plans to uh, any other Vegas upcoming projects for next year that we can talk about yet or what? Yeah, you know, when I first uh, uh, launched this one, I was going to launch two more shows. But, uh, again, the mass mandate came and we slowed it down. I was going to do a country show that was a female band and dancers. And we're working on an Elvis show that was a real, you know, back to the way it was live in Hawaii and with a full orchestra. And so, so I was working on two other shows. But but things happened in August, September because of the mass mandates. Again, it slowed things down. So I've been held off on some of those plans for right now. But uh, but once things pick back up again, I, I will be working on them all over again. Okay, sounds like a plan. So now um, people can get your current book again. Is Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? Uh, all the fine bookstores, or do they have to go to your specific website or what? Yeah, they can either go to the website, which is Can You Really Think and Go Rich, or it's available on Amazon. Uh, starting next week, it's going to be uh, uh, distributed throughout the other bookstores and stuff also. But right now, you can get them right away on Amazon or through our site, which does uh, tie right to Amazon also. Uh, so can You Really Think and Go Rich? And, and you should read the reviews. It really does make a difference in people's lives if they read it. It's an easy read, and you could read it over and over again and get something new every time. Well, I am a huge fan of the original book, and I've been here recently listening to a lot of uh, videos from Neville, Neville Goddard and such. Uh, so I really do appreciate and respect those principles. Uh, and obviously, you are a you're your best testimonies in your own life and your own success. So, yeah, thank you for this book for people like me. Oh, you're welcome. I hope you really enjoyed it. You'll, you'll see how much you'll get out of it and how your your audience will get a, a lot out of it, and especially if they feel they're stuck. I mean, after one read, you're ready to go and uh, conquer the world. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, that's what I need to get that feeling to go conquer the world. Yes. Well, anyway, Rami, thank you so much for the chat and for sharing some backstory about your new book and the 27 show at the Virgin Hotel Vegas. Thank you for those details. Oh, my pleasure, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Take care, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, we are so out of time. Oh, my God, what a fabulous set of guests that we had uh, on this show. Thank you, everyone, all three of you, for being our guest. Always invited to come back uh, next projects, of course, and I'm definitely going to go over to the Virgin Hotel to see uh, the 27. Gosh, I can't wait to see that. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening as always, and we will see you next Saturday on another edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Have a great rest of the weekend and next week as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.